kingdom people. You gotta love God, you gotta love people, and you gotta love righteousness. living is being active in God's work. It's living out the values of the king who reigns within our heart. God is good. Hallelujah. And the weather's even good, so man. <laughs> uh, we don't even have anything to talk about bad, do we? <laughs> when the weather's good and... <laughs> This morning, as my custom is, of course, and I'm sure your custom is, is to pray and, you know, and uh, just uh, spend some time with the Lord. Uh, He spoke to my heart about an anointing and a specific element of that anointing. The anointing is very broad. it, it uh, you know, really is the impartation of the, the Spirit of Jesus in our lives and, uh, you know, dimensioned to whatever, you know, the need is. Uh, but it was an anointing for the future. Just think about it for a moment. We all have a future. Whether you're young or old, there's still plans. And <clears throat> David, when he was, you know, just a young lad, uh, you know the story of his anointing. When Samuel anointed him, <clears throat> he was anointing him for his future. It was 12 years before David even set foot close to what he had been anointed for. That didn't nullify the moment of the anointing. You know what I mean? It sets the stage for, you know, the development of the anointing for the future. For the future. And uh, my prayer this morning is I'm going to pray that, that, that God will... Give that anointing that he has for your future. The anointing that you have functioned in and worked in the past has met that criteria. It's, you know, it's what it's been for. And it's the same anointing, it just is anointing that, you know what I mean, maybe has to have another dimension to it, an increase in it, you know what I mean, a different uh, element that, that will, will uh, you know, uh, be specific for the accomplishment of the future, not only get you there, but to also go ahead and, you know, uh, facilitate that God's, God's plan for your life. I believe that Gideon's experiences that he had there when the angel showed up to him and, you know, and, 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 and it was going on, I think, I think that was anointing uh, 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 process, an anointing that was, that was going on. You know, he went ahead and uh, had to ask for some signs, need some clarity in his own life. And eventually we know the, the, the great, you know, victories that he won for the, for the children of Israel. It says that Jesus went into the wilderness full of the Spirit. But it says that he came out of the wilderness full of power. He went in full of the Spirit, but he came out full of power. Okay, so really what it was, it was, this whole process was to, now he was going to begin his ministry. And that's when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, recovery of sight for the blind and to, to I mean, you know, he just began to cover the basis of why that anointing had, had, had come. It doesn't make any difference if it's anointing for a specific ministry. Maybe it's a decision that you want to make in your life, plans that, that God has, you know. It can be as fundamental, you know, and, and, and as practical or as spiritual, you know. We're not talking about putting the limits on what it is because I don't know. 
But I do know this, like for me, that the anointing that I had yesterday, you know what I mean, you know, is not sufficient for the plans for the tomorrow. And so God, you know, is not just going to let us ride an old horse, he's going to give us <laughs> a new horse. Not because there's anything wrong with the old horse, you know. So Father, this morning... I'm asking you to bring the anointing that's for the future. Just exactly what each one is going to need for the days that you've got planned ahead of them. Some of it might be clear in other aspects it might not be so clear in their lives. But Lord, irrespective, we want the anointing to match and to measure up to the task. And so like David was anointed for his future, I'm asking you this morning, because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to anoint for the future. Not just those that are present here this morning, but those that might be in the heart and the minds of the people that are sitting here. They too want that anointing for their the future of those individuals that pass through their mind and that are laying upon their heart. Father, I thank you that there's an impartation. For you said, according to the Apostle Paul, that there was an anointing that came into Timothy's life that was for his future. He said, in any reference, he says, the day that we laid hands on you and there was an impartation of gifts and those gifts was because as he became a pastor and moved into the work of the Lord in a greater dimension, you deposited something in his life. I thank you this morning for that anointing the development of it in the name of Jesus Christ. All the people said, amen. 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 Glory to God. I feel like the Holy Ghost is here this morning. And uh, praise God, and I'm glad you're here. I mean, I love the Holy Ghost, don't get me wrong. And I have my personal time with him, but boy, this is fun. <laughs> Holy Ghost and people. Amen? Holy Ghost and, and people. I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, weary you, but God's got good for you. God's got plans. And, and uh, you know, he's equipping you just for it. We've been talking about the, the kingdom of God. And trying to uh, put a little insight, the earmarks of the kingdom uh, into our lives and, and see how important it was and how important it is. And I said, you know, last week we just got started. I think uh, today will be, you know, a little more tasteful, a little more, uh, 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 you know, more complete, I guess. Let's put it that way, you know. Talk about all the things of the kingdom, but as it relates and it comes down. But let's start with this. Imagine, going back now when Jesus came, because this is when he begins to announce the, the kingdom. The forerunner was John the Baptist, and he comes on the scene, and he says, you know, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, you know, a fresh announcement of a, you know, a dynamic that had been prof prophesied about, but, you know, uh, uh, hadn't yet materialized in the way that God wanted it, nor uh, even the ideas in the, in the eyes or the understanding of, of, of men. So imagine 750 years before Christ, this people, this Palestinian people, have experienced five dynasties, that is, rulers and powers over them. It has changed five times. A short period of time in there was the time that the, uh, they were under their, quote, kind of self-rule, but it was, you know, it was the Maccabeans, uh, 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 and they ruled for a number of years. But by and large, <clears throat> there were, there were uh, five dynasties that ha had ruled. And so they're sick of this 
rule because they're not supposed to be ruled. They're supposed to be, you know, an independent, glorious, magnificent, you know what I mean? Uh, People. And so they were eagerly waiting for God to send that leader who would throw off, which at this particular time was Roman rule. And they, they were longing for cultural and national restoration. Follow me. Think about it. Let's just not make it historical. Let's see how this can happen. The deterioration. How things were not like they used to be. Seven hundred and fifty years. Historically, they no doubt had passed on to them from their from their fathers, and you know uh, uh, all the great other events when God stepped in and moved on their behalf with a leader, and so they have all of this history that's you know helping to shape their idea of how it happens because how it happened in the past invariably becomes very influential in how, you know, we presume it's going to happen, you know, in the future. But it didn't happen that way. They had anticipated it. For a moment in time, it just seemed like there was a Real high energy and anticipation of this Jesus. In fact, his, his, his own political party, his disciple says, uh, will you set it up at this time? See, even these guys got it. And I'll... Figured out by what had happened in the past. Will you do it at this time? So they're anticipating. There's, there's an t- a- a- expectation, and, 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 and we know that this is the truth because on the road to Emmaus, you know that Jesus walks alongside of them, and they don't know that it's him. And he says, what are you so sad about? Well, you know, the insurrection and this, this change of government and this deliverance that we had anticipated, you know, and we put our, our three and a half years into, you know, we, we left father and mother and we just, you know, left our jobs and we sold out to it and then all of a sudden, you know, we ends up dying on a cross. You can imagine their disappointment. Of course, we know the revelation the disciples had. But you've got to remember that this is an inner group that's having this revelation. And yet you've got this whole nation that's not getting any revelation. And shortly after Jesus has been raised from the dead and, you know, in his 40, 40 days have been communicating the power of his kingdom and who he really is. And then all of a sudden, you know, down the road, years happen down the road, the temple gets destroyed. Their whole idea of worship Everything that they clung to, everything that they went ahead and, you know what I mean, believed in. And this was, the, this was the very foundation, the very formation. You know what I mean? It was collapsed. It was ruined. Because Jerusalem and the, the temple is the highlight. It stands for the religious beliefs. It stands for the religious order. You know what I mean? It stands for the worship of God. It stands for everything in their society. In their minds, when you take the item away, you've taken God away. popular hopes and speculations that they just were all wrong. Now, I can't interpret this all in, you know, the framework of, of modern time, but 
leave it open for food for thought. This thing about the kingdom is important because Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 21, verse 43, he said, I'm going to take the kingdom from you because you didn't value it. Oh, man, a living. Talk about a... You've had it for a long time. Opportunity had been laid at your doorstep. You know. And now he said... I'm going to go ahead and put a halt to it and find out there's somebody else that can appreciate it. Put it in paraphrased, you know. So we ask the question, what is God's kingdom? We quickly passed it, went over this last week, but let me quickly do this for you, if you please. It is God's people in God's place under God's rule. It's where God rules. It's the place of the exercise of God's power. And where Society missed it. Where the Palestinians and those that were to be recipients of it missed it is they didn't understand that God, what he wanted to do was reconcile and not vindicate. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Vindication. The governments, the idea was that let's overthrow it and then establish it. And the kingdom of, that God had in mind throughout the history was it would be a kingdom to reconcile. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and is there a time and a place of vengeance? Absolutely. (laughs) But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Even in the sweetness of this kingdom, he says, I want you to know that the kingdom is going to really be opposed. It's going to be ridiculed. It's going to try to be blocked. It's going to be constrained. And there's various types of people that are just going to be totally against it. It's going to be accused of being unloving. By and large, the kingdom is a people who's living the gospel through their lives and who's proclaiming the story from their lips. It's a kingdom that the psalmist said in Psalms 145 in 11 that it would happen. And he said, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. You may not like it now, but it's coming a time when they're going to like it. So the kingdom, God's people and God's place and God's rule. How does one enter the kingdom? We should cover this. It's when you turn away from self-centered life to a Christ-centered life. That's how you enter the kingdom. 
unless one is born of water and spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. The word, the word enter there means allegiance. It needs to be an allegiance to not Jesus, just Jesus Christ as Savior, you know what I mean? But Jesus Christ, you know what I mean, as King. And you are, don't get me wrong. But awakening. A second birth through faith committed to Jesus Christ that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. I'm telling you what, when you, when you see that, you're starting to get a hold of the resurrection. Huh? Amen. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you're getting a hold of the resurrection. For with the heart, one believes in righteousness when mouth confession is made unto salvation. A spiritual reality has taken place. It is a life that exhibits in our exhibits a conscious repentance and portrays an imparted holiness. Thank you, Lord. God has done a fantastic work in your life. So we enter the kingdom, but how do we enter kingdom living? That experience that's on a daily basis. Psalms 45 and 7, your throne, O God, is forever, a scepter of righteousness. There are three loves. Not only three loves, but there are three major loves with regard to the kingdom. To be kingdom people. Well, as you got to love God, you got to love people, and you got to love righteousness. That's what it says. Kingdom people love God, love people, and they love righteousness. Psalms 45 and 7. Your throne, O God, is forever a scepter of righteousness. Righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom, for you love righteousness and hate evil. We do not like evil. Love God, love people, and love righteousness. Kingdom living builds relationship with the king. Hearing his voice, being fed and taught by him in the spirit and truth of his word. That's kingdom living. Love the king and spend time with him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked last time about how humility is so important. That's what poor in spirit is. Is having a humble spirit. A dependent spirit, not a weak spirit, but a connected spirit. I love what John said this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows of God. Now, of course, you can run with that one in a whole lot of different directions. But then you got to go back and you got to find love according to the scriptures. Because there's all kinds of loves. But the love that he's talking about is that, that love that lays down its life. Talking about kingdom living, not just being born into the kingdom, but kingdom living is being active in God's work. It's living out the values of the king who reigns within our heart. I don't know about you, but I, I just want to be a, you know, Someone that helps the kingdom. For you should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So he wants the kingdom to come. 
Watch the kingdom demonstrate. The fact is, when he came, that's what he did. He went, and did, went ahead and demonstrated the kingdom. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Oh, this is not too hard. He said to them all, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross daily and follow me. Christ-centered life. Hallelujah. And, that, and, and it works. It works. You know what I mean? You don't got to quit your do- job to take up your cross and follow Christ. No. Hell, you don't have to move. You just need to die and let what's around you live. Because when you die, then it lives. See, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies and is put in the ground, it bears a whole bunch of fruit. Hallelujah. The kingdom. John came preaching the kingdom. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. I understand this morning that there's a lot of people running in a lot of different directions with the kingdom. I'm not. I'm not telling you that. Evidences of the kingdom. The one we love the most, and I'll talk about that first. John the Baptist, though, he was the one that pointed out that who Jesus was. And now after a period of time and he's landed in prison, he's not too sure anymore. You know, life and time and events have a way of, you know what I mean, of challenging your faith. Of a revelation that you had clear back here, and all of a sudden up here, you know what I mean? It's gotten clouded, and you need an awakening. <laughs> so he sent words because he can't go himself to ask. So he said, Are you the one, or should we look for another? And Jesus sent word back, and he said, You go tell John. blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor of the gospel preach to them. You go tell them that God has broken in to human history. And there's a lot of scriptures that talked about how that one of the elements of the, of the kingdom is, is great signs. So, okay, church, come on. Come on, somebody says, somebody says, you know, well, those things passed away. Well, if one of the first evidences of the kingdom, you know, is the supernatural and the magnificent, then why would it pass away? When it's the first thing that gets the attention of the unbeliever. Somebody says, well, we don't see a lot of it. That doesn't mean it's not part of the kingdom. We need some restoration. Now we're not seeking signs and wonders. That's not the idea. The blind man says, I don't know who he is, but this one thing I do know, once I was blind and now I see. (laughs) He couldn't point him out, but he could tell the story that happened in his life. What a mighty God. You see, the scripture reference to the kingdom is important. Otherwise, we could miss the kingdom. It could bypass us, or we could just be in it and not be living it. 
Now, I actually believe that there are miracles and signs and wonders that happen all the time. I think that sometimes that we, we, how God facilitates them, you know what I mean, bypasses the history of yesterday, and so therefore we miss them in our today, okay? Their little grandbaby comes so early, and, and in two days has taken off life support. Listen, God has used natural means to perform miracles from the beginning of time. What stands out most to us, of course, is the miracles, you know what I mean? That there don't seems to be any, any touch of humanness in them. But most of the time, miracles come by the touch of humans. Every once in a while, ravens get to get in on the, <laughs> the fun part of the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Keys to the kingdom. See, Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to give you some keys. Keys to the kingdom. And so if we're kingdom people, we need to, you know, use the keys. For keys are there to unlock, you know, the kingdom for other people. For other people. Jesus said this. He said that there were those in his time that were shutting up the kingdom. In Matthew 23, 13, well, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you don't go in, and you don't allow the other ones either. Oh, come on. That's foolishness. He didn't come through our school of learning. Who are you? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come on, this is, this is just practical. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying. Rather than pointing him to the king, they were pointing him away from the king. And he says, you shut the kingdom of heaven up. What's all this, Pastor? It's going, man, church. Hallelujah. Jesus is the way. He is the way. He is the truth, and, and, and he is the life. And, you know, you don't have to hang your head. You know what I mean? You don't have to get in an argument about it. You know, if a fact is a fact, a fact is a fact. <laughs> so we take the keys. They help to set people free. We help them to enter into the, you know, fullness of the kingdom. What is one of the key revelations that we want to help people to see? He told Peter. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't that where they stumbled? That you being man makes yourself God? One of the keys that we do is try to help them see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. To know him as the Son of the living God Oh, yes, hallelujah. And another key of the, of the kingdom, I give you the keys, is authority and power. 
authority and power. I give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So you don't want to back away when you encounter, you know, stuff that needs authority. Stuff that needs proclamation, you know? Last week we told you that everybody needs a, a prayer partner. Yes. He's not a lone ranger. We're not being lone rangers, you know what I mean? We're going to grab somebody. How? How can two walk together except they be agreed? There's, there's got to be realms of agreement. Hallelujah. Yes. Kingdom. When you received Jesus Christ as Savior, you became a kingdom individual. Now, just in case you might be, you know, amiss about the kingdom in this future, just let me read you a couple of passages of scriptures about the future of this kingdom. We're going to jump over what's in between, but it says this, Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, and he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. And as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. This is kingdom in operation now, you know what I mean? The sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left hand. The king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In all its splendor and all its glory. Revelation chapter 19, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. <laughs> and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Now I know we're looking down the road here, but <laughs> we're still talking about the kingdom. Faithful and true in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were, on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He is clothed with, with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven. Hallelujah, he's not doing it alone, church. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. I don't know how your riding ability is today, glory to God, but the Bible says that, that white linen is reference to the saints. So when he wraps this thing up, glory to God, he's leading the procession, but there is an entourage, you know, of kingdom people that's coming with him. Well, the best I can do is just have a, you know, a Don picture. It probably won't look anything like it, but it suffices me for right now. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that, that with it he would strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And on his robe and on his, his thigh, a name written that he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Revelation 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city in Jerusalem coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now I can't put all these things in the proper places and the pieces, but they're in the book. And the Bible says that the book of Revelation, if you read that thing, you're going to get blessed. <laughs> Whoever reads this book, you know what I mean, is going to get blessed. Because it shows some culminations of this kingdom. It shows that this Jesus who was willing to die to save humanity and who's not, you know, interested in retribution as he is in reconciliation, you know what I mean? There is coming a time when the kingdom shall reign forever and ever. We 
got to hurry with kingdom earmarks. What do kingdom people look like? What do kingdom people look like? What are kingdom values? One of the first two things of the kingdom is the great commandment and the great commission. Hallelujah. First priority on my list, he says, you know, is the great commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And the next one is, is the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. He said, let's band together and let's get the job done. Because he said, the end shall not come until the gospel of this kingdom is preached in all of the world. Then shall the end come. That's why missions is so important. That's why world vision is so important. Because it's the Great Commission. Did you know the Great Commission can get stalled? It got stalled in the disciples. It had one of the most powerful beginnings that you can imagine. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. You know what I mean? 120. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, you know, it just felt the dynamic power of God. You know, 5,000 or 3,000 was, 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 you know, converted. And then a follow-up, there's 5,000 converted. I mean, this thing is just blown away. And 18 years down the road, they're still in Jerusalem. They got the great commandment working, but not the great commission. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Yes. They were enjoying their time with God so much that God says, I have to break up your good time. And I've got to go ahead and give you some bad time. Because you're not going. And they begin to send persecution to them. So much that it begin to scatter them. In other words, if you want to stay at a prison, you better run. <laughs> yeah. And so they were running. They thought they were running so they wouldn't get in prison. But they were running so God could get the Great Commission done. Yeah. How am I going to get you to Samaria? I'm going to chase you out of Jerusalem. How am I going to get you further than Samaria? I'm going to chase you to the uttermost parts of the earth. An explosion, but... Oh, hallelujah. Great commandment in the... Great Commission. One of the dukes of the European, and I used to know the, 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 uh, the name of it, but anyway, it's, it's a true story. The missionary committee of one of the churches came to him and said, you know, uh, what should we do? We, we, we don't have enough money. No. We're supposed to take the gospel to other places and, you know, not just have it in our own setting, but we, we don't have enough money. Nobody's, it's not enough money to go. We, we don't have anybody that's, that's willing to go, you know. And so, you know, with all of these practical natural facts, what should we do? Duke of Wellington, was it, it was, Duke of Wellington. He said, what's your marching orders? 
they told him, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, sir, obey your marching orders. Obey your marching orders. That's all God's asking us to do. You know, and however that plays out at each individual life, everybody's not going to go to, you know, across the seas. You know, but obey your marching orders. Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, and he's kind of talking to those preachers. He says, listen, you preach in season and out of season. Some seasons are not going to be so good. Some seasons are not going to be so, so receptive. Some seasons might not be so fruitful. But it doesn't make any difference. You preach it. Worship leaders, don't make any difference. Worship. <laughs> Hallelujah. Worship. Sunday school teachers, teach. Leadership, lead. Prayer warriors, pray. That's the kingdom values. What do kingdom people look like? Number one, you'll find this found in Matthew 7, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, and I'm not going to be able to, you know, expound on them. But kingdom people reconcile and speak life. It says, first be reconciled to your brother. The one thing that God wants in the kingdom and his family is for us to get along. Get along. Your gift is not more important than your relationship. Your relationship comes first and then your gift is accepted. Reconcile and speak life. They think on what is good and abstain from sinful and enticing thoughts. Just keep rolling it for me, will you, Andy? This morning, musicians come because I got to close. I haven't yet kept my word that I would cut short one of these Sunday mornings. You know what I, <laughs> I want to thank all the mothers that got little babies and they just sit there and keep them quiet and, you know, just so, so precious. But I really think that. God is trying to tell us, you you know, you're more than just part of my family. You're part of the kingdom. He wants us to have, you know, good family times. But he wants us to also be involved. You know what I mean? And being salt and light, because if the salt has lost its strength, it is no good. It gets trodden underfoot. It gets cast out. They keep their covenants. They tell the truth and they keep their word. Matthew 5 through 7. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Next one. They give to serve others. They display the love of God by blessing, loving, and praying for others, even those who are hateful. They do good and give without hypocrisy. They pray without hypocrisy. Do you know that that both giving and brand can... needs a right reason, right order? They forgive others. They fast unto God and not unto men. They liberally give to God and keep God as God, not money as their focus. They have faith in their faithful God and they do not worry. 
They honor spiritual things and are not fault finders. These are kingdom values. These are kingdom earmarks. It's what kingdom people look like. They press further into the kingdom. They don't just stay. They're not content with, you know, with one city. They want another city. They treat others as they want to be treated. We're called to walk out, work out the righteousness that God has placed within us when we were born again because that's our DNA. As you stand with me this morning... Hallelujah. Kingdom. It's not foreign, it's not odd, it's not strange, it's, you know, it's not all of a sudden, you know, us. You know, uh, trying to help Jesus. It's just living Jesus. Jesus, thy kingdom come. If God sets you in a place, you know, He sets you there because He wants to go ahead and somehow introduce something of the kingdom. God given you talents and abilities and insights. Just let him use them. Father, we love you and we thank you today. And we thank you for the stirring in our hearts and the quickening in our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that when we leave this morning, we're leaving with more purpose. We're leaving God with more insight. And we're leaving with more surrender. And we thank you for it. And that Jesus might be glorified. And all the people said amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR.